Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. It's good to see you. It's good to be in fellowship. So, uh, yes, uh, the video didn't come up, but I'll be sharing a little bit and including that. So, we are, uh, give me a minute here. Okay. So, uh, we're starting our season of Lent. This past week was uh, Ash Wednesday. Some people ask, um, why do we do this? It was a practice of the early church. Some people think it's just a Catholic practice. It was here way before the Catholic church even existed. Um, it was a practice not long after Jesus left and was ascended into heaven. So there's a lot of things that symbolize as a time of, of reflection, of consecration, of, of taking time like Jesus before his ministry went out into the desert 40 days and 40 nights. He fasted, he prayed. And he was prepared in his heart to take on all that he was called to do. And he was God, but he was in human flesh like us. So he needed to do that. And sometimes we just need to take time to reflect not only in our lives and our walk with God, but we need to reflect on the season we're coming into, which is the most powerful the most significant season on the church calendar, and that's uh, the, the weekend leading from Palm Sunday, Good Friday, um, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, into Resurrection Sunday. And th this is why we are here. So uh, church, we encourage you to fast. Uh, pick a few days to fast whenever it's convenient for you to take some time away to pray. Uh, the reason why people sometimes... Uh, one fast from food is because it gives us a greater sensitivity to God. We put away things uh, that just feed our physical body and we begin to feed on spiritual things. So it's always a good practice. We also take time away from things like social media and TV because those draw so much of our attention away from God. So uh, these are all things you can do and practice you can do during the Lent season. Also, uh, we're going to ha be having some devotionals on spiritual disciplines, the practice of spiritual disciplines that help you to grow and draw close to God. So keep an eye out. Uh, you will be getting notifications when those devotionals will be. They will be online. So, um, I want us to stand up a minute, and I want to just, just us to give God some praise and thanks. So let's just begin to thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Just begin to worship him. We love you, God. We worship you. Father, we love you. We praise you. Thank you. Come on. Is that all you got? Let's continue it. Come on. Thank you, God. You are awesome. You are great. You're mighty. We love you, Father. We worship you, God. We bless you, Lord. We acknowledge you. We are here for you. Father God, we are here for you. Come on, give it a little more, guys. I know you can do it. I know you're good at this. Res Church is good at worship. Res Church is good at praying. Res Church is good at proclaiming the goodness of God. Res Church is good at giving him praise. Let's give him praise. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, you can sit down. Okay, so during the season of Lent, we're going to be having teaching starting today 
on the seven I am statements of Jesus. And our goal is to see who Jesus is to us during this time that we're in fasting and prayer and reflection and contemplation. By the time we get through this series, we'll see how Jesus is everything to us. So first we have to understand Jesus is God incarnate. God incarnate. God came in human flesh and walked among us. It says in 1 John, in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The I am statements that we're going to cover started in the Old Testament because Jesus and the Father are one. So we're going to cover Jesus' I am statements. But they come and originate because Jesus and God are one. And in the Old Testament, we see that God declared himself as I am. So in Exodus 3, 13 through 15, Moses asked God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. It's really hard to describe God in one name. So he said, this is what you'll say to them. I am has sent you. I am has sent you. Because God, there's, there's no way we can just channel him to describe him in one name. In fact, there are so many names in the Bible that do describe God, but he was just summing it up and saying, I am. So even as we see some of the names of God, he was Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Jehovah Raha, the Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals me. Jehovah Shema, the Lord there that is with us. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord is our righteousness. The Lord Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. The Lord Shalom the Lord is my peace, the Lord to both, the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven. And that's just to name a few. And we need to understand that because he is all of these things to us. And so as, as I begin this message, and, and I found out pretty late that I needed to share today and my husband sent me his notes. I felt like David putting on Saul's armor. I'm like, you know, I really need to pray and get my own um, word. And, and God began to speak to me and told me to share. And I felt he showed me to share some of my journey that I've been through just this past couple months. And um, it's been interesting because uh, this journey has really connected me to the names of God, to the great I am in a deeper way. And what happened is my sister-in-law, my oldest brother's wife, who I love dearly, uh, last year had found out she had uh, lung cancer that spread to her liver. So she went for um, a series of chemo treatments. After that, those treatments, which really wear you out physically, they found a lot of shrinkage, but not everything gone. So they sent her for another extensive series. And after that, her report came back that she actually had more tumors that had grown, had spread to different parts of her body. It was not looking good. The report was pretty bad. The good thing first was that in this process, I got to lead my sister-in-law to the Lord. I got to lead her to the Lord. Though even if our body were to die, our soul will live forever in eternity. So that was the first thing on the list is, is I needed to get her saved. But I said, you know what? Jesus doesn't just save you. The work on the cross was not just for your salvation, but for your healing. And I began to read the scriptures. And I pretty much asked her, do you want 
to come to that place to believe God for your healing because we cannot force salvation or anything upon anyone. And so I, I, I asked her, I said, look, I'll stand with you. I'll pray with you. I want to believe God. I want you around for a while because I love you. And, um, and so I said, we'll pray together. And she wanted God. She wanted whatever it is we could do. She was hungry. She said, she said teach me, show me what to do. And so we began to have a prayer call every morning, every morning at nine o'clock, um, from Monday through Friday, I'd get on the phone with her. And, and this was my, the beginning of my day and my commitment. And I said, we're going we're gonna to share some scriptures and we're going to pray. And so I began to galvanize a couple of other people. One other person um, got on that call with me. And then I had um, two other people that would alternate days that would help teach her scriptures on healing and also pray. So this has been going on now for a couple of months. And it's just been... Um, exciting to see her faith grow, her walk with God grow. One day we were on the call and it was just so much fun because um, we're praying. I was actually out of town and I'm on the call and I'm praying and, and um, Lisa Hernandez was with me and we were praying together and she was praying there. And as I'm praying, all of a sudden I hear her start praying in tongues and, 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 and I'm like, whoa, and I'm like just dancing around, showing my husband the phone. Look, look, listen, listen. And, you know, and since then, she's just praying in tongues every day. She said, Joyce, I don't know what happened. I was praying, and all of a sudden, these words were coming out of my mouth. And, you know, it, it brings us back to the simplicity. You, you understand? It brought me back to the simplicity and directness of the Word of God and what Jesus left us to do when he left here. He said in Mark 16, 15 through 17, he said, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to everybody. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe remains in condemnation. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. If they drink deadly poison, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will be made well. God's word, not mine. I love it because we rely on God's word and his ways and not our own. But what it did is it brought me back because I felt like God was challenging me now. Joyce, if you want to see this happen, you have to now walk this out. You have to begin to refresh your own self in these things. Because when we started this church, we started in a place where God had mandated us to just stand, to bring this word to reality in the church. And so we saw many people healed, people healed of terminal illnesses. We just stood on the simplicity of the word. No, uh, nothing theological. Um, we just believed the word of God and said, we're going to apply our faith. And, and in the same way, all these things, I remember when we started the church here in Sunset Park, it's a lot different now. But back then, there was lots of interesting things going on besides the gang wars, the murder, the, the, the things that we saw in front of our eyes, which are no longer there. We saw so many people that were entrenched in witchcraft. So, you know, we never experienced that from the church we came from. So we come here and like everywhere we turn because witchcraft draws demonic oppression and, and possession, we're like, you know, what do we do? You know, we have people manifesting demons in people. This is real. Like, you know, calling up uh, the pastor of the church we came from 12 o'clock at night. What do we do? <laughs> we have this person manifesting. What do we do? And so we just, again, look to the word. Well, Jesus just, you know, he told us to cast out demons. He said, this is what we do. So, all right, 
So we started to cast out demons. And they would go. And people were free. And, and, and so, okay, okay. It's just the simplicity of the word. So, you know, Jesus is just so awesome. And so I, while I was on this journey with my sister-in-law, you know, it just forced me in a place of looking to God and his word um, for this every morning. And so when you're in a place where you have to believe God against all odds, when you have to believe God against the natural, when you have to believe God against what you're seeing, against what doctors are saying, against um, what, what science is telling you, when you have to believe God for that, you have to have the word of God richly in you so you understand how you can do it and that you can do it. So we just would go over all the scriptures that showed us that if we believe, we receive. That if we believe, Jesus said, so I, whatever you ask. He got insulted when someone said, if you can. He said, if I can. Like, really? If I can. He said, I can. If I'm willing, I am willing. And so the, usually it's just us that needs to connect our faith to believe God against odds. And sometimes those odds are more difficult. And so it's been wonderful because my sister-in-law is walking in her healing. My sister-in-law is healed in Jesus' name. We haven't seen the full manifestation, but I'm telling you, my sister-in-law is healed. She is healed. She is free of her cancer. She has grabbed that and grabbed hold of that. So I just felt that I needed to start off with that because as I was praying with her, these I am's were welling up inside of me. All the I am's of who Jesus is. And, and, and not only her healer, but everything. And she's experienced Jesus in all that he is, in, in everything that he is. And so Jesus is the great I am. And we're going to unpack some of those statements in these next weeks. It's not complicated. Sometimes we just don't want to hear it. But the text I have today is when Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And interestingly, this story, it's in John 6, and we're going to read John 6, verse 30 through 51. This story took place after Jesus fed the multitude with a few fish and bread. So we're going to start in chapter 6, verse 30. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? So again, they're asking Jesus first on, what will you do? They said, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So just to recap that, in case you're not familiar with that story in Exodus, God took them out of the captivity of Egypt. Miraculously, you know, all the plagues that happened uh, until Pharaoh let them go. Then they walk and march through the Red Sea as he parted it. Now they're in the desert and God chose to lead them through the desert to bring them to the land that he promised them. And here they are in the desert, the Israelites. And what are they doing but complaining? Oh, no, there's no food. We're going to die. We're going to starve. They just saw the Red Sea open. They just saw all the miracles. And here they are. We're going to die. We're going to die. And two million people. And so, you know, do you think God is going to save you and do all of that just to leave you in a desert to die? Even as in the New Testament correlation, because sometimes we just don't get it. See, they were stuck, and we often get stuck just in this place of life-sustaining needs. And so 
Jesus in the correlation in the New Testament in Matthew 6 said, don't be anxious for your life, what you're going to eat or drink. Don't you think your father knows you need these things? Don't you think he sees that? But he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. And he's always pointing us in the right direction of our priorities. So there's, there's always this underlining problem in, in us, in humanity. So then in th- verse 32, Jesus said to them, Verily, very truly I tell you, and in, 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 in a translation of me, he said, let me just clear this up a little for you. It is not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. It was my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. So it's interesting. First of all, he's making sure they know Moses could not pull that off. I pulled that off. And now God has given you the true bread. So now he's redirecting it, trying again to bring it back to that place where they need to be. So it, and, and so let me just say this to everyone. Any anointing, anything you experience, anything you do in the name and authority of Jesus, any way God works or moves through you, it's not you. It's not you. It's him. And as long as we always keep that posture, we will be good. And Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth, which is why God was able to use him so greatly. So he said, my father gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So Jesus is taking a little bit of a different direction here. It's not just about your temporal needs, but they're still not getting it. They're like, sir, hey, give us this bread all the time. Sounds good. We want it. But they're still not seeing where he's going. And then Jesus declares, they, they're, and they're still looking outside of Jesus. Give us this bread. Give us this bread. And so we, um, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I'm, I'm here. This is it. It's me. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. But as I told you, he said, you have seen me but you still do not believe. You see, it's all about what we choose to believe, the direction we choose. And and this is what impacted me so much as I was praying with my sister-in-law is that she was choosing to believe Jesus, to believe his word, and not choosing to go in another direction. Many people have the same opportunities and don't choose to believe Jesus and don't choose to follow his way. And I'm not just talking about healing, but salvation, the greatest and most important gift of all, along with everything else that comes with it. So Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And and then he says, all those that the father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Isn't that amazing? Jesus promises that if we come to him, he will never turn us away. This is good news. He said, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of the one who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. It is the will of the Father that all who come to Jesus will be saved 
and raised to life in the end. There is something more important than this life. There is something Jesus had his eyes on for us that was more important than just this life. And it's so hard for us because this life is just all we see and all we understand. And he's trying to change our focus and, and, and make us see something bigger, the bigger picture. So he said, my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. What good is it if he just feeds them some bread and they miss out on eternal life? So he's trying to say, guys, I get it. You have needs, but this is the most important thing I came to give you. And their eyes were blinded and they didn't see and they couldn't see past just what they wanted, just what their needs were in front of them. So at this time, it says the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. So they were missing it and they were getting stuck now at this, at the I am of Jesus. They were getting very stuck and they said, hmm, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and his mother. How can he now say, I came down from heaven? So they're just not receiving it. They're just not receiving him. They're stuck in the familiarity of Jesus. They're stuck in the place that they, they were blinded by his physical human appearance and acquaintances and cannot grasp that he actually was God. And so Jesus, and Jesus didn't hold back, and Jesus... Uh, you know, never held back his punches. He said, stop grumbling amongst yourselves. So he knew what they were saying, and they weren't even just saying this. They were saying this to each other, but he, he knew what they were saying. He said, stop grumbling among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent, them, sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on that last day again. He keeps hitting this again and hitting this again and hitting this again. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. So we are all given a chance. We are all given opportunity. The Bible is very clear that Jesus came for the world. God so loved the world. Not just me, not just you, but we have to be those that will receive. As my sister-in-law agree, I'm going to receive it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take whatever Jesus has for me. We have to be those that say, I'm going to take this. I'll receive you, Jesus. So that's what makes the determination. God doesn't say, you're in, you're out, you're in. He said, whoever, whosoever, whosoever, whosoever comes to me, I will not turn away. But the Father knows those. And so he said, no one who has seen the Father has seen the Father except the one who has come from him. And very truly, or look, I'm saying it again. The one who believes has eternal life. Again, he's saying this. The one who believes has eternal life. So it comes, and now Jesus comes full circle around again to where he started and reiterates the bread of life. He says, I am the bread of life. So the same way he begins it, he, he begins to conclude it. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone will eat and not die. Something, someone greater is here. 
He said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever, 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 whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And now I love it because this is where Jesus clinches it and seals the deal, bringing it to the cross. Everything points to the cross. Everything we have, every blessing, every gift from God points to the cross, his sacrificial death for all mankind. This is what gives us life. This is what gives us the right to receive everything we have. This is what gives us the right to take those blessings and those promises that are in him. He was our substitution. He exchanged our sins for his righteousness. And so he brought it to the cross because at that last supper, Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. And they hadn't gotten there yet, but he's preparing them and he's tying it all together. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The bread in the wilderness was a prophetic type of the true bread, which is Jesus. Jesus is the Fulfillment of the whole story of salvation, which, of which being the bread is just from heaven. It's just one example. He is everything we need. Acts 17, 28 says, in him we live and have our being. The Jews were merely looking for the physical nourishment that they received. They wanted to use God just to meet their own material needs and desires. And this is always our dilemma because we get stuck there. And he wants us to understand that he cares about those needs. It's not that he's saying, I want you to just suffer. He cares about those needs. But he said, you have to get this in the right priority, children. You have to get this in the right order or you're going to miss it. And so Jesus was saying to them that the physical miracle providing bread for them was to point them to him so that they would have a relationship with him personally. And that's what we want. And that's where we need to point people. You know, whenever... Even as, as, as praying for my sister-in-law was an opportunity to point her to her Savior. We have opportunities constantly to point people to Jesus, even through praying for their basic needs and seeing God move. Jesus never, it, it, you know, like we got to understand, Jesus just finished feeding the multitude. Did he care? Did he send them home hungry? No, in fact, he told his disciples, look, because they said, we got we to gotta get all these folks out of here now. Um, it's getting dark. It's getting late. They got to find places to say, Jesus said to them, you're not sending them home hungry. It wasn't the disciples' idea. They're like, let's hurry up and get them out of here so they can go find some food, fend for themselves. Jesus said, no, we're going to feed them. You're going to feed them. And they're like, wow, Jesus we don't have food for all these people. Again, they walked with him so much. And still, you know how much we walk with Jesus, how much we have him in our life, how much we see him do things for us. And still the next challenge that comes, we're challenged, right? And he's so good. And he's so patient. And he's so long-suffering. Sometimes he said things, you know, like, oh, you know, when the, when the demons, they couldn't get the demons out of the man. He said, oh, unbelieving generation. How long do I have to be with you?
But he's just so good. You know, he's just so good. He's so good. He loves us so much. He's so filled with compassion, tenderness, kindness. Even, even in the Old Testament, it says, wrath lasts a moment. But his loving kindness for a lifetime. This is our Father. This is our God. So that we understand if we just kind of got that. We know, okay, God's, gonna, God's got me. He's going to take care of me. We need to trust him. And sometimes we have to keep retrusting him. Trust him again and trust him again and trust him again until we learn how to walk in that place of trust. And sometimes, a lot of times, one of God's ways is to let us be in precarious places. Let us be in challenged places because we need to depend on him. You see, he could have made easier ways to get the Israelites out of Egypt, but he wanted them to see the miracles. He wanted them to see how he would take care of them. He wanted them to learn a life of dependency on him so that we would not forget God, so that we would not just tend to live our own lives. He wants a relationship with us. And isn't it sad that sometimes he has to let hard things happen to get us back into that relationship? But he does it because he loves us. Everything he does is because he loves us. It says he disciplines us because he loves us. So although Jesus meets our physical needs, the primary motivation of God is to cause us to trust him, come to him to satisfy the longings of our soul. Physical bread sustains us temporarily, but Jesus sustains us permanently. He is our sustenance. He is the one that meets every need. He is the one that provides first for the things that will lead us to eternal life and continue to use us to lead others to eternal life. Because as much as God loves you, he loves a whole lot of people out there that don't know him yet. And he needs you to be his mouthpiece and the one that say, look, God's going to take care of you. And you don't have a checklist of everything you got to get right first. Isn't it amazing? Sometimes after we come to Christ, all of a sudden we get all self-righteous. After we come to Christ, just the way we are, then we're telling everybody else, everybody else. My, my Brooklyn accent is so bad. Do you know, Suri hates my Brooklyn accent. Suri is constantly typing things that I didn't say. And I'm like, is that how I sound, Sari? Did that, is that really what it sounded like? And so I'm learning to talk more clearly so that Sari will stop saying the wrong things. Siri. I call it Sari, right? It's Siri. See? Siri. Changed, changed her name too. She deserves it because she keeps changing my, my words. Anyway, we're going to close. Jesus is the bread of life. He not only sustains us, will sustain us. We should never worry. We should never fret. It says that it leads to sin because it leads to doubt and unbelief. But we should just continue to tr learn how to trust him, but learn to keep our eyes beyond that. God, what is it you're doing in this time? What is it that you need me for? Keeping our eyes on the prize, our eyes on the prize, which is eternal forever 
with him. And on the journey, our journey will be well, not because everything goes right. Our journey will be well because we stay in relationship with him. And no matter what comes our way, he is with us. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you are such a good God, such a good father, such a good dad, that you are the amazing, awesome, almighty, powerful, unfathomable God. And yet you care about our every little need, that not a hair of our head falls to the ground, that you don't know it. Thank you that you care for us. And so you redirect us when we go the wrong way. And so we ask you, God, redirect our hearts today. During this time of Lent, redirect our hearts. Help us to take time away from the busyness that distracts us from you. Help us to take time away to seek you, to pray, to spend time in your word, rather on social media or on the TV, to put aside some meals, to humble ourselves before you, to seek you, to allow you to work in our lives. Help us, God, to use this season well so that when we come to celebrate what it's all about and what you are leading us to in these I am's, that we will celebrate it with a full understanding, with a fullness in our soul, a fullness in our heart, not just in our belly. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. While we're praying, if there's anyone here that you've never come to know the great I am, if you've never received Jesus in your life, this is your opportunity. If you don't know for sure, if you've not, not sure if you've really surrendered your life to him and allowed him in your life, could you just raise your hand so we can pray for you now? Is there anybody here? You're not sure. You're not sure you have eternal life. That's, that's serious. Just raise your hand if you're not sure. Amen. God bless you. You need to pray. Let's all pray this. It's just so simple. Father, just pray with me. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. Thank you for being the great I am in the flesh. Thank you for being all that I need. Thank you that it was your broken body that provides everything I need. Starting with salvation and eternal life. And so I receive now your gift of eternal life. I receive you in my life. I receive your gift of salvation. That you are my righteousness. That you have forgiven me that I am clean, that I am whole, and I choose to follow you. Amen. 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 All of heaven rejoices over one person that comes to Christ. That's how important it is. So we're going to worship now as we close the service. And we're looking forward to the rest of the words that will be coming in these next weeks. Please be out. Please take your, uh, go online or, or in downstairs, sign up for a time of fasting. Set aside time during this, this Lent season. You will not regret it. This is not a religious practice. This is a spiritual practice. That's a big difference. 
So let's, let's practice a spiritual practice that will bring us closer to God. Religion draws us away from God. Spiritual practices draw us closer to God. God bless you. I love you. We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718-436-0242, extension 0.